You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, why don't we start off today kind of talking about what we talked about last night on Packernet After Dark. Um, I mentioned that I might talk about it, and then you guys started calling about it, probably because you saw the article too. Um This was written on uh, Cheesehead TV. Why does Aaron Jones pay cut, or what does it mean for A.J. Dillon? Article goes on to talk about how uh, A.J. Dillon is going to be a free agent after the 2023 season, but they may be hesitant to pay big money to two running backs. So what do you do? And this very similar to me with the Rodgers and Love situation, where I don't know that there is a great outcome, where, where you can just go, oh, there's the very easy solution. I get it now. I don't see that. And so the summary I more or less came to last night was, I think we just let it ride, man. We're not going to get rid of Dylan. We're not going to get rid of Jones. And so we're just going to let it ride. Um, and by let it ride, I mean we keep Jones. We pay him a meager salary because I don't think he's going to get big time money anywhere unless he blows up this year. And if he does blow up, then we got a separate issue. But for now, let's assume he's the same old Dylan. Now, the negative part is there's going to be some overlap where we're paying a lot for the running back room. In fact, even if we get rid of Dylan, we're paying a lot for a running back room because of Jones by himself. But the point is, we're going to pay him a meager salary. We're just going to hold on for dear life as we overpay for running backs. We'll do our extra year of, of our, basically our one year of Aaron Jones before we let him go when his contract expires. And then um, we're going to just be good with it. Although there is going to be a dead cap year after that where we're still paying for Aaron Jones the year after and we're paying for A.J. Dillon. And again, it's not ideal, but it's it's one solution. So that's one, and that's what I think is probably going to happen, which is the 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 least exciting or dramatic answer, which is usually the right answer, right? Oh, they're going to cut him. They're going to trade him. They're going to did did Nah, just normal boring stuff happens usually. Another option, we don't bring back AJ Dillon flat out. Now it doesn't really solve a lot, and this is the reason why it's not really my favorite option. Because we were never talking about giving A.J. Dillon a lot of money to begin with. And so it's like, well, why don't we just not sign Dillon and go get a cheap running back? Well, what is a cheap running back? We're not talking about a first or second round draft pick because that can be kind of expensive. And considering we're only talking about paying 
AJ Dillon, you know, in that first year, maybe like three ish million dollars. We're not really saving money. The only thing that I can think is let's we talked about Bijan for a second, and I know that's a dramatic example, but let's just say, let's say we draft Bijan not to necessarily replace Aaron Jones, but AJ Dillon. And Bijan Robinson costs about $4 million in his first year. And so we're massively overpaying running backs. That's true. But we're getting a much better player, much younger, much healthier, not that Dylan really has injury issues, and we're resetting that rookie contract. Because remember, this is A.J. Dillon is going to start off at 3-4, and then it's going to go up and up and up and up and up because you gave him a new big boy contract. Even if it's not a lot of money, it's just how it goes. Not a lot of money might be $8 million a year. And so then it's Bijan and Aaron Jones. And then after this year, it's Bijan. Now, if you think about it even further, it doesn't have to be Bijan. It could be a second-round guy or a third-round guy. That way, he's cheaper. We still have our split backfield. And, well, that's it. But there are negatives. Number one, whatever you think of A.J. Dillon, he has a firm understanding of the offense. He's a decent enough running back, is a very underrated receiver. And I don't know what we get with this guy. And you got to remember, not only is this 50% of your backfield, because Aaron Jones is not getting 70% of the load. So you're, this is 50% of your carries on whoever it is you're deciding to replace A.J. Dillon with. So if you're looking for some discount running back hoping that it works out, this could blow up in your face real fast. Not only that, this is also the guy that's replacing Aaron Jones soon. So if you swing and miss on this third round, fourth round running back, we don't have a running back anymore. So then I suppose the other, other thing you could do is scattershot. It's going to be a while until we're without Aaron Jones, right? We've got uh, Jones this year. We've got Jones next year, and then after that, we don't. So this year, we draft two running backs. Next year, if these if neither of these two pan out, we can draft two. Maybe we even draft three. Who knows? At which point, we should have two stable running backs not named Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. If you're willing to invest that much draft capital into a running back, which, by the way, draft capital is just as valuable as capital capital. doesn't make any sense to say don't spend money on running backs, but, you know, invest half your picks in running backs. So... It's sort of a sliding scale, right? We could just dump our resources into keeping the guys that we got. Considering we've done 90% of that already, we can move on from Dylan and get another big wig running back, eat the cost for a little bit, and then be set for the future, slash take a bunch of swings to try to find that replacement. Or we risk, we protect the salary cap, we risk not having a really good running back. We trust that building an offensive line will be good enough, which doesn't make any sense because we just paid Aaron Jones. If that was the case, we wouldn't have done that, but whatever. And, uh, you know, that whole thing. The only other real option to explore is, are we potentially going to be moving on from Aaron Jones next year? I don't really think so. I don't think that's a viable option. We don't really save a ton of money. Um, we, we, we just have to pay a bunch of money to move on, and I don't know why we would have structured the contract the way that it is if that was the plan. But I think either way, if you're a betting man, it makes sense to invest in running backs, at least in some capacity. Whether that means Dylan's moving on or uh, just the fact that we know Jones will be here only two years and then moving on, you want to slowly start investing in some people that hopefully can materialize into something else. But I also don't think it's going to be a high pick. And again, if you're asking me, I think we pay Dylan and we pay Jones, and that's the end of the story. Now, since we're on the subject of uh, value of players and positions and whatnot, kind of beating a dead horse here, but it's worth bringing up because it's kind of an important thing. Mark Sessler of NFL.com 
produced an article, NFL Quarterback Index, ranking all 68 starting quarterbacks from the 2022 NFL season. Again, we're kind of beating a dead horse a little bit, but I just want to make sure that we're all clear on something. We're talking about best chance to win. We're talking about a bunch of money. And we're talking about tying up our future. We're talking about possibly giving up Jordan Love. Actually, probably giving up Jordan Love because I think it's a minimum of a two-year commitment. I'm standing by that statement. What are we getting in return? Let's see. Number one quarterback in the NFL quarterback index, Patrick Mahomes. All right, fair enough. Number two, Jalen Hurts. Okay, three, Joe Burrow. Then Josh Allen. Okay, well, now we got to be getting into Aaron Rodgers' territory, right? Top five, we got the top guys out of the way, and Jalen's kind of debatable anyways, whatever. Where is he? Justin Herbert. All right, well, that's fair. What else we got here? Trevor Lawrence. Oh, good Lord. Okay, he's got to be next, right? Tua. Then Jared Goff. Then Geno Smith. Then broke down Tom Brady. Then Dak Prescott. Then Lamar Jackson. Then Justin Fields. Then Aaron Rodgers. Now look, I've clearly got my issues with these rankings. But do you know how much it pains me to see Aaron Rodgers at 14 behind Justin Fields and Tom Brady, who played like crap? And again, even, okay, so he's clearly better than Fields and Lamar. Yeah, got it. And he's better than Dak. Fair enough. And I think he had a better year than Tom. Okay, fine. Is he top 10? I mean, do, do I have to remind you how many young quarterbacks there are in this list? Basically all of them. You know, this idea that we can't let him go because you can't find any more quarterbacks. I mean, if you, even if we're going to say Pat Mahomes isn't young, what about Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence and Tua? That's the whole list. You know who's right after Aaron Rodgers? Brock Purdy. And then Kyler Murray. It's all young guys. And heck, half the list in front of Rodgers is Jordan Love's entire draft class. Really, Jalen, Joe, Justin, Tua. In fact, they're all top seven. But here's the thing. Forget what I think. This is what you need to do. You got to look at it and say, here's what it's going to cost. What is the cost of losing Jordan of paying his salary this year of the salary cap implications if he does retire after this year, which you need to understand is catastrophic, and then say, okay, that's the situation. What do I expect in return? Forget the name. Don't worry about the name Aaron Rodgers. What do I expect in terms of production in return? And this is what always gets missed when it's talked about Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love. Everybody just looks at it in terms of the two names. It's not looked at in terms of cost. It's it's two-time or back-to-back MVP, Super Bowl champion, first ballot Hall of Famer versus this guy that we drafted that nobody likes. Well, that's an obvious choice, but that's not the question. Add up the cost and then ask yourself in return. It doesn't matter what I think. What do I demand in return for that cost? And if you're saying I'm fine with top 14, you're full of crap. I can tell you right now, absolute bare minimum is top three. It's uh, basically a Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers three-way tie. Bare minimum. Because if you're saying, well, he's not quite on that tier, 
but he's kind of a uh, Trevor Lawrence to a tongue of Iloa guy. No, nope, no thanks. And look, as long as you understand the cost and believe that Rodgers is going to get you what what it's worth in return. Hey, I never liked Jordan Love anyway, so if we get rid of him, who cares? Okay. Salary cap hit this year isn't that bad, so I'm good with it. Okay. I don't think he's going to retire next year. I think he'll play next year too and be dominant next year too. And so we won't have that catastrophic hit. All right. And I think he's going to be top five-ish for the next two years. Okay. There you go. If that's what you think is going to happen, then I'd probably sign up for that too. I don't know. I mean, I'm still not happy about the Jordan Love situation, but I, I definitely feel much more comfortable if you tell me that that's the situation. Just comes down to what you think is going on. But don't just say, it's Rogers. how dare you? Because that's silly. By the way, I just saw a podcast. I think Clayton dropped it, so I got to listen to it. But it sounds like he does exactly what I'm describing. If you want it, great. Make a case for it. I don't know. I'm just going based on the title. Anyways, let's uh, get off of that. I wish it was something good to talk about, don't you? Don't you wish it was something awesome to talk about? I'm tired of whining all the time. Too much whining. Oh, that's a sweet picture. So let's talk about something a little bit more positive, depending on where you fall on things. Uh, once again, our friend Tyler Dunn. I know a lot of people don't like him, whatever. Got to get over it. Wrote another article. Seems like this is like once a year we do this, but it says it's Jordan Love time. I swear this is copy and paste from last year. But anyways, let's see the updated version. The... Um, Subtitle is Don't Fear the Future. This moment has been years in the making for Green Bay Packers quarterback. From coaches to teammates, everyone knows Jordan Love is ready to start right now. So the point of the article is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Packers are ready to to move on to Jordan Love. And of course, there's questions about whether or not that's actually true, blah, blah, blah. But then you got other people in the media who are like, yeah, he's definitely ready, but maybe that's speculation. We hear people do that all the time. Like, oh, he looks amazing, but you're just being polite based on little information, whatever. So obviously as Packer fans, even as someone like myself, who's really wants Jordan to start, really likes a lot of the positives and all that stuff, I'm highly skeptical. So Tyler Dunn went around and asked him, was like, so what's going on? He starts off the article essentially talking about how, you know, he's going to want to get out of here pretty soon. Every red-blooded competitor in the sport has a breaking point. One humbly accepts their plight for only so long. Talent cannot can be fine, confined to the practice field forever. Frustration boils over, blah, blah, blah. Talks about how good of a job he did against the Eagles. Says he was nearly perfect. However, it says he was in no cheery mood. When longtime mentor and personal quarterback coach Steve Calhoun, if you haven't heard about him, he's uh, been sort of like a father figure to Jordan Love for quite a while now. Quarterback coach, mentor, all that stuff. Says when longtime mentor and personal quarterback coach Steve Calhoun texted him, unbelievable game, Love was glum. But Steve, he responded, we lost. Love made it clear how badly he wanted to win this game. Deep down, both knew a comeback win smashes the perception for good. And this is what I talked about before. If he was just a a foot of a better pass, you know, six inches, whatever, he comes back and leads a game-winning drive to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And And any of those points, if that had happened, if he beat the Eagles or beat the Chiefs, the narrative would be different, but he didn't. Calhoun says it would have put the rest of the NFL on notice. Like, okay, you got something to deal with here over the next 10 years. Then it says, and again, this is where it kind of blends between is this speculation or what's going on here. This is Tyler Dunn speaking. Of course, he wanted to remain the Packers starting quarterback after that game. Of course, he's growing irritated by the whole charade. Then it goes on to Calhoun. We're all human. There's definitely frustration, but you understand the dynamic and you've got a future Hall of Famer in front of you that, uh, you can't be upset about. You can be frustrated, 
but you just control what you can control. He's working. He's trying to learn the offense as well as LaFleur knows it. That's his whole deal. He wants to be almost a second coach on the field. If the coach starts to talk about a play, he wants to finish the sentence. So again, this is Calhoun saying, yeah, there's definitely frustration, but this is a guy that Jordan Love talks to constantly. So, I mean, it's, let's, let's just be real about it. It's real. Now, that isn't to say that he's ready to bounce if Rodgers comes back. But, again, it's just we're kind of getting into smoke this fire territory. You know, I mean, he's first of all, is common sense. But beyond the common sense that, of course, he wants to play, of course, he's frustrated and all that stuff. You've got this Calhoun guy saying it. you got somebody else that said he had a private conversation with him that got the vibe that he was not super thrilled with just sitting there and also specifically got the vibe that he'd be leaving next year if Rodgers came back. Again, that's speculation, but it kind of adds up. The rest of it is mostly um, sort of interjecting the news that already broke uh, about the Packers also being ready and, and kind of leaning in. But I, again, I think I think the general good news, not that there's a ton of substance behind it, but the good news is we're slowly starting to shift toward positivity for Jordan Love. It used to be just a complete, absolute joke. There was nothing positive about the pick, the player, nothing. And now ever so slightly, it's it's becoming at least not a complete joke that the guy could maybe step in and play football. Uh, in other news, there are a bunch of Green Bay Packers that are no longer Green Bay Packers anymore. That doesn't mean they can't come back to the Green Bay Packers, but as of this time, Robert Tunyon, Adrian Amos, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby, Mercedes Lewis, Dean Lowry, and Jaron Reed are all free agents. Now, that doesn't mean any other team can pick them up. They're kind of in limbo right now because free agency has not begun yet, but they are not Green Bay Packers. And the big question is, who exactly is going to come back? I mean, the crazy thing is everybody individually, I would almost put less than 50%. Robert Tunyon, sub 50%. Adrian Amos, sub 50%. Randall Cobb, sub 50%. Mason Crosby, maybe 51%. Mercedes Lewis, less than 50%. Dean Lowry, uh, 53%. Jaron Reed is like a 43% maybe in my mind. But at the same time, we can't just let everybody go, right? Part of me wonders if, you know, they may sign some guys that might end up getting cut somewhere down the line, and I'm looking directly at Mason Crosby in particular. We don't have a kicker. And it's extremely dangerous to just let it be and see how the chips fall and everything else. But I wonder if they could sign Mason Crosby and then try to bring some people. You know, basically do what we've been doing for what feels like the last 10 years. You keep Mason Crosby around. You, you bring in undrafted free agent kickers and free agent kickers and every other kind of kicker to compete. Mason Crosby wins the job and the Packers staff snaps their fingers and says, oh, shucks. So there's kind of multiple things at play. If you asked me individually which one stays and which one goes, we maybe keep one or two, maybe one. But if you ask me as a whole, here's a group, how many of them are we going to let walk out the door? It's like, well, we can't just retain one, can we? Maybe we can, I don't know. But it will be interesting. I think March 15th is uh, the official first date of free agency. However, we have to remember that... um, Free agency actually begins before that. I forget every single year. This is not the year I'm going to forget. But I don't remember exactly how many days before we start hearing news. It's uh, it's always on like a Tuesday. I don't know if it's just that Monday we start getting breaking news or if it's the whole week prior where there's not supposed to be official deals, but you start hearing breaking news about so-and-so is going to go to this team and so-and-so is going to go to that team. So 
let's just say the beginning of March, if the Packers don't have these guys locked down, you can start sweating. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? It's a little bit early, but um, news is slow. It is what it is. On the other side, I want to start getting into the draft a little bit. Specifically, there's a guy that um, is starting to pick up a ton of uh, esteem. Not only is he climbing from the second round into the first round pretty consistently, but I'm starting to regularly see him get mocked to the Packers. First time I saw it, it seemed a little bit out there, but now I'm seeing it over and over, and now a prominent uh, draft personality, maybe the preeminent draft personality out there, has just mocked this person to the Green Bay Packers. So having not talked about him, we got to get that rocking, but uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Daniel Jeremiah who is, again, maybe the draft guy out there right now, um, just released his second mock draft of the year. The first time DJ did a mock draft, he had the Green Bay Packers taking Nolan Smith, edge rusher out of Georgia. Before we get there, just want to kind of run through some of the other picks. He's got the Bears taking Jalen Carter. Um, ultimately, it doesn't really matter if he adds a trade or not. He assumes that even with the trade, this is pretty much where they end up. Bryce Young to the Texans, Tyree Wilson pretty high to the Arizona Cardinals, but obviously he's pretty high on him. C.J. Stroud then to the Colts, presumably in that very trade. Interestingly, Will Anderson still on the board, goes at five to Seattle. Then you got Miles Murphy, who's all over the place. I've seen him as you know high as five and as low as like 20. You can find a lot of this information, by the way, over at the Packernet Substack. One of the things I have at the bottom is just kind of a summary of the range in which they've been drafted and then where they're usually drafted. Uh, Will Levis then to the Raiders. Lucas Van Ness for the first time. I mean, he's he's sort of a uh, late first, early second guy that sometimes goes to the Packers at 15. I don't think I've ever seen him at eight before. 
Peter Skaronsky at 9, Devon Witherspoon at 10, Paris Johnson, the tackle at 11. Jordan Addison, wide receiver, first wide receiver off the board, which again is uh, another thing that is certainly not a consensus. Broderick Jones, offensive tackle out of Georgia at 13. Christian Gonzalez, Oregon cornerback at 14. And then we get to the Green Bay Packers. Many people right here would want him... To, well, th- there's several options. Obviously, there's there's uh, the fan favorite, Bijan. There is tight end Michael Mayer. There is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Brian Branch, who ultimately right now is the person that I think the Packers are going to be picking. Jalen Hyatt. Zay Flowers is becoming another one that's sort of a second-round prospect that's sneaking into the first that many Packer fans are becoming obsessed with. Nolan Smith, who he had us taking last time, is still there. But alas, also I don't think Quentin Johnston went either. Did he not have him in the first round? Again, this is why you know it's not a super high-quality draft. When, first of all, supposedly the best player in this entire draft, Daniel Jeremiah, has him falling to five and has another basically two pass rushers ahead of him. Or no, just one, Tyree Wilson, and then Miles Murphy goes immediately after him. So, so much for that. There's no consensus on the quarterbacks. There's no consensus on the wide receivers. Some people say there's one clear number one in this class, and then Daniel Jeremiah doesn't even have him in the entire first round. Oh, yeah, he does. He has him at 21. Whatever. After Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, So lots and lots of options. However, he didn't go with any of those. He went with somebody that I'm sure Packer fans would not in any way be upset about. They're just maybe not super familiar with him. I did spend some time yesterday watching I will never understand tight ends as long as I live. I don't under, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out and inform me as to why they make sense, that'd be great. I understand the Michael Mayers and the, but there are certain guys I just, I, I don't get. But anyways, the pick is Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. Now we've talked about Michael Mayer and we've talked about Darnell Washington. And the biggest thing is that they're basically freaks. Michael Mayer, most people say, well, he's, you know, he's kind of a big, blocky kind of guy, but he's not that fast, et cetera, et cetera. But again, what's left out of that conversation is just how absolutely massive he really is. He is humongous in terms of his total weight, and he is not fat. He's pretty cut. He's an absolute monster. The crazy thing is, though, Darnell Washington's even an even bigger monster. Take a guy that's that same weight, make him taller, and make him faster. And that's Darnell Washington. Well, when you come to Dalton Kincaid, you get a different kind of guy, entirely different, but still a freak. But he's just sort of on the other end of the spectrum. Six foot four, he's the same height as Michael Mayer, but he is 240 pounds, so he's 25 pounds lighter and is considered an elite receiving tight end. Now, he isn't necessarily expected to be blazing fast. That's more of your Luke Musgrave type. But again, a really good receiver. Here, here's what I don't get. Because I, I can go back and watch him and be like, yeah, he's open and he caught a pass. Like, okay, cool. I usually struggle to see what was special about how he got open. Like, oh, he ran a route and nobody was standing there. Like, dang, he's good. But just just help me understand. 6'4", 240 runs a 4'7"-ish. Maybe. I just, I don't get it. They're oversized, slow, wide receivers. Why don't you just have a wide receiver do it? I mean, he's 6'4", 240, and runs a 4'7". Why don't you just have Christian Watson do it? Whatever it is he's doing. He's taller and a billion times faster. Put him on the inside and have him run with the linebackers. I think the idea is 
I mean, again, the idea that he's, well, he's faster and bigger than, he's not bigger than linebackers. He's not faster than linebackers. So I, I don't know. He's, he must just be a complete and total freak of a technician, I guess. I don't know how to understand how tight ends operate. Because again, it's like, well, you can't put corners on them because they're too small and you can't put whatever on them. It's like, I don't know, dude. 6'4", 240? I mean, I guess he's kind of big in size, but some scrappy corners out there. But you don't even need to because, again, the linebackers in the NFL can easily run <laughs> with that. But anyways, that's my own uh, it's my own issue with understanding tight ends. It's the exact opposite of running backs. Every third running back I like, every tight end I watch is like, yeah, dude, I guess. I don't know. It seems slow to me, but cool. But Mr. Dalton um, spent five years in college, so he is 23 years old. Not massively old, but he's not one of the younger guys. Spent two years at San Diego. Uh, and then three years at U- Utah, somewhat frightening that he had sort of this massive breakout year this past year, where he's been very consistent at an 80 grade over the last three years. Now, granted, uh, he hasn't had a ton of playing time, which also makes me nervous. Um, if you look at just targets, for example, 3, 21, 3, 45, and then 93 this past year. If you look at his grades, uh, 68, and then it was 80, 80, 80, 90.2. And even the 90.2 is mostly just some really, really good games. So he had three games in the 90s against Southern Utah, Colorado, and USC, one game in the 80s, and then three in the 70s, and then it was 65, 59, 56, 55, and 50. So he had four subpar games also mixed in. Very rarely played two really good games in a row. It was kind of bad, elite, bad, good, bad good, elite, good, average, uh, great, elite, and bad. So he'd have two, but not three in a row, I guess. So it's just, it's very up and down. It completely came out of nowhere, wildly inconsistent this past year. Never had back-to-back touchdowns. Oh, yes, he did. Weeks, uh, well, no, he didn't, because it was a bye week in between, or he was injured or something. But it was weeks two, four, uh, he had four and five. It doesn't matter. Look, I like the idea of getting a top-tier, um, dominant tight end, Travis Kelsey type. But I'm going to, first of all, need to see something much more significant from Dalton Kincaid in terms of his um, combine abilities. Because one of the things that all these tight ends seem to have in common, whether that be Kittle or Kelsey or whatever, is that they're running four sixes, four fives. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty quick. If he's in the four sevens at 240 pounds and he had one good year in five or one great year, that was just this last year where he blew up. In other words, if he was in the draft this last year in 2021, he's what, like a third or fourth round pick? And now we're talking about taking him at 15 and he's going to go to the NFL with elite, speedy, really tall, really fast linebackers. I just, I struggle with it, especially when you got guys like Michael Mayer, who first of all are going to be faster than Kincaid and 25 pounds heavier with, as far as I can tell, better hands, dominant body control. And if you don't like him, then you can get Darnell Washington, who's even bigger and even faster and even stronger. I'm not ruling him out entirely. I'm just saying everything I see about the guy makes me nervous. If you told me he ran a 4-4-5, I'm probably on board with that. If you told me he ran a 4-5-5, okay, cool. A 4 7 so he's not fast, he's not big, he's not tall. He's just a slow, heavy receiver. Can he block? Because, you know, if we want to put you on, uh, 
in line or anything like that at any point. Probably need to do that. He's got a, a 59 run blocking grade and a 60 pass blocking grade. Which I guess is better than bad. I don't know. I just, I struggle with it. Maybe he's just an elite route runner. It is what it is, you know? I mean, especially if we're talking first round, man. I mean, if you're talking second round or third round or something, he's going to be your Robert Tunyon replacement. All right, cool. I just struggle with it. I mean, I, I, I kind of struggle with Michael Mayer in the first round, to be honest with you, or, or Darnell Washington. It's, it's kind of iffy. I just, I, I, I want to be excited. I just struggle with the Kincaid thing. But I guess what, what is needed to be understood about him is that he is a explosive, elite route runner as far as tight ends go. Good hands. And there you go. If that's good enough for you, then that's good enough for you, I guess. I don't know. Dang it. I'm trying so hard to be positive about one thing. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I think I'm just struggling with this draft class in general. Like, I want to be excited about Quentin Johnson. I can't get there. I want to be excited about Jordan Addison. I can kind of see it as a second round thing, like for sure. First round, I struggle with it. Dalton Kincaid, I struggle with it. Michael Mayer, I mean, I like him. If it was late first, cool. 15, I struggle with it. Tyree Wilson, probably gone. I don't know, but I am iffy. Miles Murphy, eh, I don't know. I do like the tackles. I do like the tackles. And of course, Bijan, but you know, can't do that. I don't know, but it is somebody that you need to get to know. He is rising up the ranks rapidly. He is officially... Um, Number 32, he was at the Reese's Senior Bowl, which is maybe part of the reason he's moving up the boards a little bit, but he is officially a consensus first-round pick at this point. That is a new development. Uh, He's been consistently a second-rounder, but uh, he's starting to crack that. And you're going to be seeing that more and more. Again, I'm not massively on board with it. I will continue to look. Lucas Van Ness, same thing. Can't super get into it. Um, I need to watch Jalen Hyatt and Zay Flowers a little closer, maybe a little Nolan Smith, although he's really undersized. A little bit of Brian Brzee, who's been plummeting down the boards. He was a top 10 guy for a while. He's sitting at 21. Same with Jackson Smith and Jigba down to 20. It's another one I struggle to get behind. I mean, I, I, I can like it. I don't love it. That's, that's, that's pretty much everybody on this list. I like it. I don't love it. I can get behind it. I can talk myself into it. I can see the path to it being a great thing. But I just, I don't know. I don't have that guy anymore. Now that, I'm, now that I have to be off the B. John Robinson train, I just don't have that guy. And even if you look at tackles, it's like, I don't know what to do with him. You, you take a left tackle and you try to move him over to right tackle. And I guess we just hope that that pans out. That's cool, I guess. I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if we really just need to trade back. Because like could easily turn into love when you're talking about First of all, if we could turn this into a second, second round pick, imagine if we trade back into the 20s and we do draft Jackson Smith and Jigba or Michael Mayer, then we get two second round picks. And let's say we can get Darnell Washington and then, um, I don't know, grab an edge guy, whoever you like, not Keon White or Darnell Wright. I don't know. But I, I feel like if we can get later in the first round and pick up an additional second round pick that would be pretty cool and again if we could walk away with even if what what if we got Jalen Hyatt or Zay Flowers and then even if we package the two second round picks to come way up high and get Darnell Washington you know how dope that would be 
I mean, considering if we sat there at 15 and and took uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, everybody would be fine with it. And so if we can't reach him in the second round, this would be a way to get him and then come up and get somebody else. I don't know, man. I don't know what I want to do. I'm still, I'm still, still stuck. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I am going to get up some tight end um, scouting reports and whatnot over at the Substack. I'm going to try to squeeze that in today. However, um, potentially going to finally be able to go do our Valentine's Day dinner, my wife and I. So we'll, we'll see. It might have to be a tomorrow project. I am real short on time today. I apologize. But anyways, you guys have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.